Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Ryman, and my favorite Grand Slam was Mo Vaughn winning opening day for the Boston Red Sox when they were still a baseball team in 1998. I'm Tommy Rico, and my favorite Grand Slam was by Big Poppy David Ortiz for the Boston Red Sox against Joaquin Benoit in the eighth inning of the 2013 ALCS in Game 2. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and my favorite Grand Slam is Serena Williams' career Grand Slam. Well, there you go. I knew you were going to swerve us there, and shout out to Serena. On that note, let's talk about another Grand Slam. We're starting off this time with AEW and Sometimes Why. AEW and Sometimes Why. Julie went to Grand Slam, the Grand, the AEW Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Flushing, Queens, my, my beloved yes. Queens, my favorite borough <laughs> of all of New York. I love it. I miss it. Shout out to everyone in Astoria. And you met Dan Housen. I did. And you just kind of, here's did. how you did it. You just kind of texted a, a picture of us to Dan Housen. You just, hey, here I am with Dan Housen. And then it was just like, what, what are you talking about? And then you just kind of downplay. We talk about this man more on the show than any one of us, any one of our lives. Like, like honestly, like in the segments, he, like we, I know we do a thing with my daughter, Sadie, Sadie names him, but like, I'm sorry. Like if we're in the middle of that and Dan Housen calls by Sadie, you're going to the other room, Dan Housen, you're going to name him. And you just tell us about that. You met Dan Housen for crying out loud. What happened? What did you guys talk confirm, about? Yeah. The, the man is very nice and he is and very, very evil, evil. Yeah. i it, it is it i can confirm it was lovely he was so wonderful it was a great moment to get to talk to him in fact in my true fashion um i'm i'm a big fan of dan Housen, as you guys know but i'm i'm a huge fan of his wife too pam Housen um, is has, that her name pam Housen. <laughs> she is she is truly she has this amazing uh burlesque career yes and is one does. of the best burlesque dancers more famous than there. dan Housen. Arguably. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, have, I get Have you heard his nickname for her? <laughs> what, what is, is the it? nickname? So she is Lulu La Duchess de Derriere, and he calls her the Duchess of Tukas. <laughs> I love that it, you would think that in Dan Housen fashion, you'd think her real name would be the Duchess of Tukas, and then he would call her the other thing. <laughs> I love that he swerved us and went in reverse and was like, mm, I'm going to shorten this one. Tiny URL for you. <laughs> well, they are 100% the cutest wrestling couple ever. Yeah. Like, they're yeah. adorable. On, yeah. yeah. They constantly interact with each other on Twitter, and it's always either funny or sweet, or both. Did you see when she had a picture of something at some shop that looked a lot like Dan Housen? And oh, was it like, was a rat twiddling oh, its right. thumbs with a, a red cape. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, she wrote, and tagged Dan Housen, and then he just wrote back, buy it. They're great. They're so good. So good. Like it was just, and he like like an instant later, like he was just like, yeah. But what was he like to talk to? Do you want to break? Do you want to break kayfabe? We have to make that call right now. Is that okay? Yeah, I think. I mean, I hope so. I should have asked his his because we've already blown it for some people by telling people that the Undertaker actually sounds like Ray Romano. So uh, (laughs) you know, he kind of does. Like uh, rest in peace, and stuff. Bruce, was that okay? Is that all right? Oh, gotta go pick up the kids. What does Dan Housen really sound like? Um, he sounds yeah, like a a normal person, actually more subdued yes. than I thought. Like on the show, <laughs> yeah, I hope he's, so, yeah. he's a larger than life character. And then when <sighs> I, I mentioned it. his wife and how great she is, he was just like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell her you said that." And it felt like I was talking to a friend. And I think a moment that I really liked while while I was 
um, going to meet him, I sort of made friends with someone else who was there. Oh, okay. And it was an aspiring wrestler. Ooh. Um, this wrestler was asking for advice from Danhausen about how to break in, and Danhausen was authentic and real and giving this this aspiring wrestler advice. And you I know, I figured out why all the is Tom, and again, Tom, Tommy Rico. It's Tommy Re Comedy at Twitter. Tom's had an adventurous week over there on Twitter. So you guys want to get on? He's Tom's on quite a run. I thought, it's been a I busy thought I was day. in it. I, I've gotten, I've stepped in it a couple times lately in, in terms of basketball and wrestling, but you, my friend, you got it going. You got basketball, wrestling, comedy going. Tommy yeah, Recovery. I've, had, I've he, had a very shut off my notifications type of day. He, he came up with, a, he, I, I believe it was you, Tom. You coined the term uh, uh, e- ego driven old heads, right? And then you emailed, you faxed it to CM Punk and he sent you $75. And so you're a freelance writer. You like to insult people in your free time, especially Jim Cornette. So, right. If Courtney's listening, Tommy Reed comedy. And, uh, but one thing I've noticed is that, uh, have you noticed that the, the people they shit on the most end up being the nicest human beings? Has anyone else noticed yes. that? That's just something yep. I've discovered. There, it, you know, was... everyone, everyone shits on Bruce Pritchard, and for all I know, maybe he shit on me, and you know what, deservedly so. But I will just say that, no, sincerely, uh, he carried my ass on more than one occasion. But uh, I will say that, of all the quote old heads, uh, I, I would say Jim Ross and Bruce Pritchard are the two that tended to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And then there's that other group where it's just oh, oh, everyone in the world's an asshole, including the nicest people. And Dan Housen, it's so nice to hear that because they shit on him all the time. They say he's he's ruining the business, and I'm like, I don't think you've kept up with the business. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Like, I if I came out, I come from the world, I started out in late night, if I, and I was, I'm going to drop a name, I was talking to Jay Leno about this the other day, and we were saying how, yeah, it'd be great to live in a world as joke nerds where you could come out and write 30 jokes and just, that's your model. You can't. You got to switch it up now. You got to do it different. And I just feel like certain people on certain podcasts in their world of wrestling, they still want to do their version of this 30 joke set up punchline monologue. And they see a guy like Dan Housen and go, Oh, that's different and weird. And he's ruining the business. No, he's making the business. He's fucking great. I was, uh, for my other media job, as I brought this up during HR, we had a very, you know, cause it's media. So you have a very brief HR is like, Hey, you know, not to be, uh, you know, like Ime Udoka, right? Coach of the Celtics. Yes, I do know not to be that way. Okay, good. You're hired. You're fine. But one of the slides featured Dan Housen. There was an HR presentation on how to behave. And for the example of evil was Dan Housen. Dan Housen oh is over in the human resources community. Okay, I think that's, that's how funny. over he yeah. is. Well, I wish qu- you would have taken a picture things, of it. I, so I, that we I, could tried have, to, I was too scared. It's uh, so funny. I'll, I'll talk to my, co- my colleague, Rob, and I'll see please, if I can get that slide. But please it was, put uh, that on Twitter, because I feel like Dan Housen would just all, love the fact popped. that he is everyone, in HR. Every, all the dudes in the chat, like, there's a bunch of us who are wrestling fans, and we were all just like, oh, my God, Dan Housen. And it was just like, we're people with shows and stuff, but like we're acting like third graders, being like, oh, the teacher said Dan Housen over there. And he was and like everyone knew who he was. He's super recognizable. And uh, I got to be honest with you, at this stage in the Internet, with how well Dan Housen's done on Twitter, there's someone we're going to talk about later, of course, Bray Wyatt. Now, I know he's been all over, but in terms of recognizability in 2022, I think Dan Housen's really at the top of he's got to be at the top of the mountain. I'm not saying he's the best wrestler. I'm not saying he's the biggest. We know what Dan Housen does. He does his job, the job the way he needs to do it. But people see it. They know who Dan Housen is now. He's 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 Julie, as you'd call it. A scroll stopper. Am I correct? Absolutely. 
So two quick things where we were talking about Jr. just a second ago, as far as Jr. goes, I think he's the oldest as far as like, if you were to measure his age versus the quote unquote, old head ego podcast by far. And he had a career Uh, before wrestling. He was a great football broadcaster too. Exactly. Football broadcaster, old school wrestling guy. And yet at AEW, like reached out to Sonny kiss to find out what were the proper pronouns to use for her. Uh, constantly puts over guys like Orange Cassidy and Dan Hausen. And he gets loves it. The fun he, lo- yeah, he gets it. And he, he loves the fun-loving nature of wrestling. You don't want, you don't want that train to take off. You don't want to miss the train. You don't want the train to take off without you. And it's like... Yeah, I mean, they, they all love FTR because FTR looks like a 70s tag team. And yeah. I like FTR for the same reason. But everyone can't be FTR. There's got to be a little of everything. And uh, Julie, as far as... Your conversation or the, the conversation you overheard, overheard with uh, Dan Housen and the aspiring wrestler, you know who gave that speech to Dan Housen? Sammy Zayn. Sammy Zayn. Oh, that's yep. so interesting. I didn't know about that. Where did this happen? So in all the interviews that we've called uh, to get Dan Housen footage, I have sent Julie just <laughs> tons and of tons interviews. of videos. And in one of the videos, he describes uh, like his favorite wrestlers. And one of them is Sami Zayn, and he talks about a backstage conversation he had with Sami that sounded very similar to the conversation he had with the young aspiring wrestler in Queens. So there Shout you out go. to Drew. That's his name. Is Drew the aspiring wrestler from Long Island? You know, go that's get him, Drew. I can't wait for this clip because, like, there's a way you said that that, like, I feel like five years from now, someone's gonna dig this up, and uh, you know, we'll all be doing things. Of course, by then. Tom, Tom will be running his own wrestling promotion. And then, uh, of course, by then I'll be president. But um, someone's going to dig up this clip. I mean, of the United States, not your wrestling. Company. Go on, do big things and uh, vote for Reinman. We're taking down squirrels and we're going to regulate giant birds. The two things that frighten me. And then Undertaker, just for you, cucumbers. There's going to you're going to have to have a three day waiting period to purchase a cucumber. Um, but so I, we're not going to be three or four years into writing for the Dan Housen comedy variety show. I hope I'm not it's that. giving that away. Ron. I'm not giving that away. I'm just going to say if Dan Housen finds this clip, I'm not giving it away for free. No, I'm done doing work for free. Uh, so and so I know Julie is, too. and I know you are, too. So Dan Housen. Oh, we no, have, we'd be contracted employees. We have of Dan we Housen. have we have really fun ideas. We'd really like, I have a name for it and everything. But like totally, we were taught we were just texting for like an hour about like the Dan Housen late night show and i'm just gonna throw it out there yeah hey former head monologue writer the tonight show starring jimmy fallon when it was number one as to what happened afterwards i'll let you go look that up it takes you about a minute to tell you what just go look at a screen grab one of their videos from nowadays where they, where they do a head swap and advertise uh, sandals or some shit but and then julie the best social media person we ever had at the tonight show starring jimmy fallon and then you have tommy rico over there who can recall late night bits that I don't even fucking know. You, I think you tell YouTube what to show for YouTube. Like, right. I'm correct that you're the secret guy for Letterman's YouTube channel. Anyway, we, I we did. Have... I did send Julie a clip of Doug Henning after last, <laughs> last week's show. I didn't know who Doug Henning was. So there's your guy right there. So we have a, you were the one that broke down why Rodney and, and David Letterman didn't work as a pairing. And you had a, a great analysis of why host guest did not work out. You'd be great for that. Uh, and a great stand-up booker, I might add, by the way. So I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. Danhausen, uh, Donovan Danhausen, I know your name, pal. We could do a hell of a late-night show for you, and it would be a whole lot of fun, and God damn, do we need some good 
late night shows. I would love to do Danhausen on TikTok. That would be so much fun. Can you just imagine a bunch of duets of Danhausen just cursing people? Just, just he, he's he not sees there a yet. By the TikTok way, is video. he? He's not on he TikTok is. yet. I've looked. If he is, he's he's brewing under the surface. He has a wait, burner. Waiting to strike. Yeah, he has a burner account. <laughs> of all Danhausen would, you know, just, you know. What if he ready, had a, what if his there? burner account was like super nice and inspirational <laughs> where he like blesses everybody? Very bad. Very good. Hey, you know what? That's who I want to be. I'm going to train. If I, if I, if I get it myself a trainer and get into shape and do like Tommy Rico's done over here with your DDP yoga and I, uh, and I get myself into shape. I want to train and I want to be his, his one-off rival where I'm, I, I bless everybody. And I am very, very mean, very righteous. <laughs> John Housen. It would be like, like when the, well, I- that was when I, when I gave him, cause he signed it yeah. and he was just going to sign his name. And I have this picture and I was like, well, it's gotta be to Tommy and John. Oh. And it has to be to John. So I do have, you guys are going to have to fight over it. Maybe rip it in half. <laughs> And you guys each have custody of the, yeah. the autograph. Hey, this hey. Danhausen photo. Hey, Tom, um, guess what? Wrote, guess what? I'm going to tell you, hey, look over there. And then boom. Happy birthday, <laughs> Shane McMahon. At least let me have the autograph on weekends, John. <laughs> hey, as, as Bruce would say, easy, Tiger. <laughs> Get a little too close to the bone there. Uh, anyway, but Julie, well, did you mention really anything ex- to the, about the podcast? Did you say if you say, hey, we do a thing and we like you, come on sometime? I, I mean, I, I, yes, I just come on the show, be with us. Did Dan you really or did you kind of get, did you kind of get, did you kind of freeze up a little bit? Of course. I mean, I got so enamored. You with, got cursed. I got cursed got immediately cursed. and then was like, I must talk about his wife who I, I know. just think is wonderful and she must know that she's awesome. But that's a difference uh, between someone like Julie and me and Tom is we would have been the fucking assholes. It's like, oh, you gotta come on our show, man. Are you? Oh, you're well, married. I, I didn't know that shit. But you were. Polite. I get weird around celebrities. I get real quiet. I don't. I don't like bothering anybody. So I. I. I either keep. I. I pretend I don't know who they are at all, or, or I just. But I can't engage. I don't. I hate bothering anybody. So mm-hmm. an autograph show, like I've, I've never gone to one for an autograph. I, I've. I've worked like events at them, but I've never. I. I can't imagine standing in line. And taking the time out of somebody's day that I, I'm a fan of. It's like it's weird, but Julie, you're you're uh burying one little ancillary detail about like ten feet away from the table you spoke to Danhausen with was Orange Cassidy and the best friends. Oh, and guys, kind of along with Danhausen, which was like absolutely great and amazing and a wonderful experience. Um, I got a chair. I got to keep a chair. It was like you didn't this tell is us something that. that oh, I got to do that the, once, yeah. Yeah, in the the wrestling community, if you sit up close enough, you get to bring oh, your you, chair with Julie you. Julie broke out the big bucks. Yeah, Julie so does this every I, now and then. I got she to go home of, with kind of drops in how much money she's making. <laughs> she's like, yeah, does I did it, this thing I never got to do before. I got a chair and I got took a helicopter ride with Tony back to Manhattan. It was crazy. It's just it's one of those things I've never done before. Anyway, Tony does it have, does was, it have the AEW logo on it? It does. It does. I, according to the people around me, this year's chair was a miss because there are no faces on it. Oh my no, God, you had chair critics? Yeah, there were a oh lot of, because it was only the stadium marks. and the date. Yeah, there were chair marks. Oh and boy. Someone did say 
this chair is not as good as last year's. <laughs> last year's had faces on it. So. And then you said, well, I didn't well, get the good chair. Said, well, said, imagine well, if the chair, though, the chair had like uh, CM Punk and Malachi Black and <laughs> the, the elite. <laughs> yeah. Or was, hey, Julie, was the chair dented in any way? Did the chair. <laughs> Were there any bite marks in the chair? Did it look like oh, Larry no. had been clawing yeah, at Yeah, Larry had scratched up on them. Yeah. No, I got yeah. a chair. I got a chair. Stephanie McMahon, very nicely. Uh, so uh, when I wrote that bit for Triple H, when he came and uh, threw Jimmy through a desk, it was just a, a stunt double. <laughs> Too bad. Um, but anyway, when uh, that happened and Stephanie McMahon was very, very kind and she got myself and my friend Chris uh, front row seats to SummerSlam at the Barclays Center. And oh here's the good news. I got the chair. I got the chair and we all got to get the collectible chair. And now Chris was a single guy. He's going he's bachelor. He's going home. And this was when Sadie was a baby. She's only a few months old. And so I got the chair. That's the good news. The bad news is I had literally... Uh, a grocery list of items to bet to get from CVS that were baby supplies. I had to get diapers. I had to get wipes. I had to get formula. I had to get the whole thing. And I, so I even emailed Stephanie McMahon, this picture and I'll give it to you so you can post it. But Chris took it when I was about to get off the subway of me going into a CVS to go shopping in the baby aisle while holding a folding WWE chair. <laughs> That's great. That's fatherhood. And that is fatherhood. I'm not kidding you. Everyone got the fuck out of the way. Everyone <laughs> ran from the aisle. Uh, the manager kind of just happened to be there the whole time I was shopping. And um, I got my shopping done real quick and I nailed it. And I got all the baby. And so I said to Stephanie McMahon, thank you very much for the tickets, though I think I'm the only person to ever st storm into a 24 hour CVS in uh, New York City holding a folding chair and saying, can you tell me where the level one Gerbers is right now? I need that baby food. And they, and then the, they said, Oh, you don't even need, we'll ring you up. You don't need to use the, the thing. Cause frankly, when you use the self checkout at CVS, you want that folding chair, but I, I don't yeah. want to spend too much time on this because we have a very, a very big debut. We you do. texted Tommy and I, and Oh boy. I hate, I'm, I'm going to pull a, I'm going to respect to the great Conrad Thompson. I'm going to pull out a, pull out this line, go back in our archives because just last week we happened to Tom, are we on kind of a roll in terms of we're on a weird roll right now in terms of picking our fights with people, aren't we? Yeah. We talked about Luigi Primo the week before he shows uh -huh. up on national television on yeah, AEW. We, we, we also talked, we talked about a about website fruitful.fart. If I'm not, if I'm not correct, I think that's their name for legal purposes. And correct me if I'm wrong, they were wrong about some things this week. Correct? Only everything. Yeah, and the wrestlers themselves called them out online. So the so then, oh, that must be really tough being doxxed online. Oh, thoughts and prayers. Shout out to Anthony Jeselnik. Uh, but also, um, we, were, we, we had a segment last week that you guys wanted to do, and I said, I don't know about this, because I've only ever heard, and I, I don't want to pick a fight with anybody. Uh, it was called hit the road dog and it was you were very upset when uh, the road dog jesse james aka brian james again a very highly respected member of the wwe creative team over the years he's back with the company i've only ever heard good things and then you said no i want to call him out because he said things about who again what wrestler formerly page and now by the way I, I was vehemently defending someone whose name I was mispronouncing the whole time. <laughs> so, 
Uh, The former page in WWE has clarified her real name and her name in now debuting in AEW is Soraya. Soraya. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, so we haven't spoken of Paige or Soraya in a long time. Do you have a trick for remembering her name yet? Do you have a, like a mental thing? Like for instance, uh, Saoirse Ronan, the actress Saoirse Ronan. I had to look her up to say on the air the other day I, and I figured out how I say Sir Sharonin. It's the, it's like this. I go, ba 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 Sir Sharonin. <laughs> My working model right. was uh, Sriracha. So that, well, that's anyway. definitely not right at all. But we, the last time we had mentioned Paige slash Soraya was she went on a tweet storm when she had left WWE, which was magnificent. Where she beautiful. just absolutely slapped down fool after fool online. Yep. It was beautiful. Yep. And then she kind of laid low for a bit. And uh, lo and behold, she is all elite. I No one saw this coming. And that's what I think is we've had a lot of dirt that's sheets. That's true. We did. Revealing. That's why we did. I mean, yeah, we knew it was coming. Clearly. You listen clearly. to turnbuckles. We're the, new, we're the new dirt sheet. We're not a I dirt sheet. We're a soil sheet. It's, so- it's where ideas come you- to grow. That's my question is, how do you miss this? Like, really, there was no rumors. There was no anything. This was Grand Slam. Tony Khan literally said there are going to be some surprises. Yeah, I, You're I not know. digging into no what one, it could be. Like, it's the most obvious one. We all missed it. I but just, I love that. And the entire stadium lost it. Oh, there was a God. point where actually I couldn't hear because my ears were ringing. It was so loud. That's awesome. It was unbelievable. I... I, the people, we were hugging. We were like, we were just like, she's <laughs> yeah. back. This is yeah. amazing. And she just has a presence about her and her new song. If you listen to her new song, it's really good. It's called Zombified. And it's, it's a banger. I highly recommend you go check it out and listen to Tom, it. It is really good. Tom, you're a resonant song expert. Break down, uh, break down the new theme song for Soraya, please. It's always tough to debut a new wrestler in a new company with a new theme. So what happens is the, the graphics go up and until they see the person's name, they're just listening to the song, but it was a good song. But by the way, she entered the the ring after a very good women's match. It was great. It was excellent. It was unbelievable. And I think that was one of the most interesting moments of my life is Uh, I was in an arena with a lot of people who knew the product really, really well, who were huge fans of wrestling to be in this moment live and to hear music and everyone be really, really confused for about 10 seconds was really, really cool. It was this moment of we were all with a good payoff, with a huge payoff, with it. Like, this is what (laughs) this is confused. Yeah. And it was just we're all looking around. We're all like, what is this? We don't know what this is. and. It was, it was a really, it, it, I will remember that moment for the rest of my life because That's we so cool. collectively, as however many people were in that stadium together, were experiencing this moment together and to have that payoff and to have it be Soraya, I think just is, what are the odds? is like, awesome. Like it was right after, it was the day our episode dropped. Yeah. So it's just a few hours yeah. later. And so we just yeah. got done talking and I'm like all day gone. Yeah. And then uh, you text me and you sent us a text and we were both behind. We hadn't watched. You just said, holy shit. That's all I'm saying. Holy shit. And so, OK, being, I guess, like thinking simple mindedly, I'm like, oh, is it Bray? Or like, is it 
you know, is punk back? You know, do you come back? Whatever. I go to the two obvious things and I was like, cause those are the two big, and then I see who it is. I'm like, no, that's bigger. I'm like, that's, yeah. that's cool as shit. And then I had that second thought where I was like, holy shit. We just talked about it. It's like, yeah. I'm telling Tommy Rico right here, man. Tommy Rico knows his guy. Rico. He hey, that's our, that's going to be a t-shirt. Rico knows his wrestling. And we're gonna we're gonna it's knock true. off the W. It's gonna be with an R. Rico knows his wrestling. Yeah, my logo my logo should be a broken clock. Um, <laughs> but so another another like note: the AEW fans, you and the boogeyman, your broken yeah. clocks. Yeah, the AEW fans. The first thing that shows up on the graphics screen is Soraya. They all knew yeah, who Soraya was. Yeah. I mean, she had been competing uh, for a decade as Paige. So that's that's a smart fan base. Yeah. And and it, I really I loved the debut. She is, is a much better he, name, by the way, too. Like that's another is. one. That's it's another so it's, up, good. it's up there with R Truth Ron Killings, where it's just Vince is yes. like mm, Mayor McCheese poopy pants. Be like, I, mean, I would have gone with Kurt Angle, but okay, I'll be Mayor McCheese poopy pants, I guess. Uh, you know. As know. Paige, she basically brought the Divas division to the women's division again. She was yeah. she was the she was the deciding factor that went from hey we're hiring models to oh there's some there's some women that are doing some cool moves and some unique stuff and that are that are working matches instead of just looking like eye candy and she she I really hope that her health is good it seems like she was cleared a while ago that was another thing that was odd that was circulating around by the sheets was is she cleared she was cleared a while ago she just didn't enter the ring again. I don't think WWE wanted her to wrestle again, but as far as being medically cleared, I think we're years into that. Well, I, I think this is exactly what AEW needs. Oh I God, think this yeah. will in, enhance their women's division. Their women's division is already really great, but to bring great. Are maybe, you willing to go that far? I'm done. I don't I mean, mean to be a, well, a Scrooge. Have, I'm just saying. I think Similar to what I'm probably going to say about the white rabbit thing that's happening is there are elements that give me glimmers of hope but collectively together i have problems john is really trying to hold back in, in this moment no i'm fine um, there i'm just i'm, listen, <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm 100 just listening i think there are glimmers that give me hope and i think with soraya as a locker room leader i hope that that this could really unite the <laughs> women's division god i hope it's i hope so and hope it's not a year from now well, Britt Baker and Soraya and uh, a whole bunch of other people have been suspended for. <laughs> well, I will say Britt Baker, she would point, bite someone that, that is in character for her as a that, dentist. I feel like that's true. Just by that point, Tony just has a full on Santa Claus beard <laughs> and he's just got hair, hair growing out of his ears somehow. And he's like, not even Dude. he's just like not even looking at it. But no, I think I think Tony Britt, addressed us. Yeah. Four talk times. about that. He came out four times. Does he, he does Tony have theme four, music? You know, I don't think he had theme music. Now that you say that, Doesn't no, he I don't just think wear he had theme music. Like a windbreaker, too. He he was he was. I think it was in a polo. Now I have to go back and look. He was like in slacks and a polo shirt, and you know, you know nothing. what? Here's what I'll say. He looks like a man who's been working. He looks yeah, like correct. a busy human being, and yeah. I, and you know, we've yeah. talked about that when I say let the writers dress like writers. Is whenever it's the, hey, when I see someone with the fanciest shoes. And they're not hurting and they're strutting along. I go, you haven't done a goddamn thing. He, yes, he looked. I judge people that way. I, he I was running around, you know, it was yeah. like he was winded. He was ready, mm -hmm. but he came out. He was, he 
absolutely hyped up the crowd. And then there was one time he came out. He hyped up the crowd, Tony Khan? He, he absolutely hyped up the crowd. He seems we like such a getting... not stage ready person. He was really, he really I mean, got it he, done. He wasn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was like, uh, actors, you know, studio hype, he, he, but he's he, good you at, know, his, he's good at making his, faces. We know that yeah, much. his passion fueled everyone else's passion. And he came out, I think it was the third time he came out. He announced that, uh, this show had broken the $1 million gate. And then he got down. I will on say his though, knees. I just want to Oh, but yes, that's follow up. I'm sorry. He got down on his knees and just started essentially like worshiping us and like praying to us and telling us thank you. And I was like, Vince McMahon would never do this. What is happening? And not that I didn't like it. I thought it was cool and great, but like would never see Vince McMahon in the worship position in okay. this way. Quick question. Vince did yes. do this. I did see we did. I did see Vince down on his knees at least once. And Tom, it was when Stone Cold Steve Austin had the bang gun, the gun with the bang flag came out of it. Now, let's all settle a bet for once. Did Vince really piss his pants? Did he really live the gimmick or was that a was that fake pee? Has I would Bruce say, I would that? say I it's probably has. it's hard to pee on cue like that, especially in front of, you know, 15,000 or whatever people. And but uh, yeah, so that I was don't the, know. Vince made Roman eat dog food, so <laughs> it's it's possible, man. Yes, but it was organic dog food. Sure. Naturally, of course. Yeah, uh, I think it was I think it was rigged. Not real pee, but it was yeah. good. It looked it looked convincing. Austin 316 says, I just pissed my pants. Yeah. I remember that well. So, but would oh, Vince ever do that not kayfabe? The last I heard of Vince was he came out, gave a non-response on the day of a major scandal. And we heard this both from people we worked with uh, before it was in the news that he gave a bullshit response. Nothing was said. Everyone was caught off guard and disappointed. And he walked through the curtains and said, and I quote, fuck him. And then what was it about a week later that he was he was gone. So, yeah, yeah fuck somebody. But uh, M, I don't know if that's it. So, no. Julie, well, Julie, actually, one here, more. here's what I'll say, though. In, in defense, when Vince McMahon was at the stage Tony Khan was in, so, like, I will tell you that at WrestleMania 1, like, Tim Silphys, our friend uh, Kerwin's son, Tim Silphys, Kerwin, longtime yeah. director for great guy to work with, and Tim's one of the nicest human beings in the world. And uh, I will say that... Vince McMahon at the early WrestleManias, particularly in in uh, Detroit at the Pontiac Silverdome, I think Vince did come out, right, Tom? Didn't he come out and thank all the fans? So at a different stage in his life and his career, Vince was very appreciative and thankful to the fans. And, you know, I don't know if he walked the walk, but at least in the room, uh, whenever someone was, over, if you use the word mark, if you were overtly disrespectful of the customers, the fan base, Vince would very quickly correct you. And so, um, I don't know. I, I can picture, here's what I'll say. Modern day Vince. No, but WrestleMania three Vince, he did it. He did come out. There's okay. that video of him coming out saying, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to WrestleMania and thanking everybody for make. He came out at the end of WrestleMania nine in uh, Caesar's palace. Now how that was booked with Hogan. <laughs> you know what? People rag on Bret Hart for how much he complains. Go look at his like checklist of bullshit. And I'm like, what? A, I look at Bret Hart as a man of great restraint. 
But anyway, the finish of WrestleMania 9, there's a picture of Vince came out and he was wearing his, still wearing his suit and he was all tired from being in Gorilla and he thanked everybody there. So I think at a different stage, yeah. So people say Vince, Vince was not always the Mr. Burns character that people assume. There was a stage. So the question is, you know, hope I'd love to see Tony Khan in 30 years still going and we'll see, you know, yeah, but, we will. but people change. I, I think, and, I think Tony Khan understands this moment. And I think that he knows that not just the diehards, but I mean, he has built an AEW audience. They've been around for a few years now. And, and he realizes that this is a make or break moment for his company. Yes. And uh, I think that he was out there cutting promos because no one else was. <laughs> it, it was an action packed five hours. I mean, yeah. four hours that went over on the air. Oof. And an extra hour in yeah you know in the uh, arena where they did AEW we were Dark. Tired. Yeah, a lot, a we lot were of the people tired. that might cut promos. I feel like have NDAs right now. So yeah, <laughs> gag well, order. But let's get to the action. You guys wanted to talk about the acclaimed. Tell me about. I the do. Acc- okay. I just want to give a shout out here. It is the first gay wrestling champion for AEW. Who are we talking about? Just so our fans can... Anthony Bowens. Okay, thank yeah. you. Um, of the acclaimed. Got it. And one of the best things about Bowens is that he's openly gay. It has definitely... The story has definitely gotten some traction out there because it is an interesting detail about him, but he has not been shown in... A, like, he's not the gay guy of AEW. He is presented like everyone else, Yep, and it is not cartoonified it is not in any way uh taken advantage of and so the last time i can remember an openly gay champion was darren young one half of the primetime players with uh with titus Mm o'neill they won the tag team belts once uh but young he looked like he had all the tools and just basically evaporated and definitely wasn't you know it, it i don't know exactly when he came out whether he was still with the company or after, I can't quite place the I believe timeline, he was but, with them and stayed with them for quite some time after. Yeah. But they didn't mention but, uh, it. It was never acknowledged in any way in storyline and everything, which is so interesting because the great Pat Patterson was openly gay. One of the first openly gay, I got to read that book. I can't believe I've never read Pat's book. And I've talked about it before. I got to meet Pat twice. And got to have lunch with Bruce and Pat one time, which is like every, you know, Tom, I mean, just any wrestling nerd of the 80s and 90s, it, it, you don't want to have lunch with Vince. You want to sit with Bruce and Pat. That's like that's super the jealous. Thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, and it was just at a sad downtime. And I think Bruce gets Pat definitely could sense it. He could just sense when someone needed a, to just to hang out and, you know, hey, John, come on over. And so I just sat there and um, didn't talk. Of course, I just listened. I just want to hear what they talked about. And, um, you know, a guy like Pat Patterson, it just makes it is so backwards to me that he he created the Royal Rumble. All these. I mean, he was there was no one that came up with a better finish than Pat Patterson. And it was never the same twice. It was always just like like a comic who's like, no, I've done that joke before. What's a different spin or a musician that's like, no, we've, you know, we've, we, I'm sorry, that medley's, the melody's too similar to what we've done. We got to scratch it. That's about it. Pat was that guy with wrestling matches and everyone loved him. He broke that barrier, which was not easy to do. I mean, goddamn, he was in Boston for a great deal of his career. So Tom and I can tell you about that uh, up until, 
so odd that Massachusetts was, quote, first, when it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> it wasn't so easy getting there. Um, but, yeah, it just, it's so, so odd to me that, especially with Pat Patterson as a trailblazer, WWE has not really done anything in that space. I don't get it. I mean, I, here's what I'll say. You know what? I do get it, but I don't agree with it. So it's, yeah. it's great to see AEW doing this because who fucking cares? And doing it well and doing it right and doing it. And Tommy, you and I were speaking a little the bit. The last thing about, I want to hear about is, is yeah. anyone in wrestling sex life at this point? I don't want to, I don't give a shit what anyone's doing. Just, just do your character and, and wrestle. So it's just like, and be who you are and be happy who you are. And, and it really, I'm glad you're happy. It's a great moment. So. And the acclaimed could not be more over. Yeah. I would say. Dude, out of, that's, it's huge. Out of everyone's pop that night i'm talking mox i'm talking danielson i'm talking hobbs i'm talking ward the acclaimed got the biggest pop outside of the surprise that yeah. we did get in the show that one was the biggest but they're, in they're terms trending. of people who are there they're trending every they, wednesday night they're they're they right up are, there yeah first of all the freestyle raps are really good and very funny they're and funny, super well I'm, done I'm, i know i'm old because i have to rewind it <laughs> like I laugh over the the other jokes. And I go, oh, Tom, do you do this too? Or are these going so fast? And I'm like, what? What? I have to go back. And I'm just like, I just, I'm old. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I but. always miss one or two. The Acclaimed are almost a perfect tag team because they, they really, they're over because they were the snowball that has become the avalanche. Mm. But in the middle of that, there was Bowen's injury. And yeah. Bowens had to rehab like crazy to get back to the to the roster because they were so popular. And all of a sudden, Anthony Bowens is hurt, and it it definitely derailed their momentum a little bit. They are uh, two very different wrestlers, even though they're they're both young guys, they're both handsome guys. And Caster does the raps, and Bowens is the hype man at the end. But in the ring, they're very different. Caster is super strong for a guy who is he's a big guy, but he's not huge. And he, I mean, he picked up Keith Lee. Insane. Just absolutely insane that anyone could pick up Keith Lee. Mm -hmm. And Bowens is, he's like the traditional uh, baby face, like in peril. He bumps like crazy. He's very energetic. The two of them are a really fun tag team to watch. They're super over because they deserve to be. They're fun on the mic. They're fun in the ring. The extra dynamic with Billy Gunn that absolutely shouldn't work and so does. It's crazy. He, he absolutely were he and the best part about it is is they're <laughs> wrestling. Road dog they're in all tune. The, all, Road Dog at all the glory, the new age outlaws. Isn't that he, just fucked he, up? <laughs> Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn's is, fantastic. Is, he yeah, and he is whatever. absolutely putting over. He is just having these side conversations with people in the crowd. Oh, Billy really? Gunn was What's he talking about? Oh, oh. He was, I mean, just saying, oh, look how great they are. Look how amazing getting the ref, telling the ref to look over, hyping them up. Oh, so just he's like, out of, he's like, oh, that's oh, great. He was in going around doing that scissor me daddy thing just with audience members. Just like dad, that, that WWE, he, I mean, Hunter's got to be looking at that and going, Jesus. I mean, like talk about maybe like that's WWE. I mean, they're out WWE WWE with the scissor me daddy it, thing. I mean, that is just well, found oh, money. And this is where making wise hires, making wow. smart hires in the uh, in the agent department and the backstage producer department is so important because a guy like Billy Gunn, why is the AEW tag division so great? Well, Billy Gunn's there. 
And Billy Gunn is not only, you know, he, the, the, Tag the claim are certainly under the tutelage of Billy Gunn, this but so is the Monsoon. rest of the division. What could you not learn from Billy Gunn just being there? Remember that when uh, Gorilla Monsoon would call people tag team specialists? That's what I miss. <laughs> These two <laughs> undeniable tag team specialists. And that's when I knew I was like, oh, they're good. But you talked about something interesting with their dynamic is that when people think tag teams, there's this tendency to, I mean, okay, you know, we love the Bushwhackers. We love Demolition, uh, the, the Road War. But even the Road Warriors were slightly different. But there's so many tag teams. I mean, you look at the Hart Foundation and just two vastly different styles. I mean, Neidhart, eh, you know, the, I'm not going to do Bruce's impression. I'm not going to steal that. But the Rhino, as he would say. And then Brett, who was all about agility. And it worked. It worked with their finisher. So th- I just think there's something to be said for... There's yeah, everyone thinks tag team. You think twins in a ring, but there's something to be said for the the guy that can bump and the guy that can crush. And it's just like, yeah. you know, that's an interesting dynamic. And you know, that's something that I remember Paul Heyman talking about because we got to get our, our weekly Paul Heyman mention in, um, talking about that you got you know Vince's big thing was, you know, he really it's a key to have the the big and and big guy with the agile guy so you can have someone that can chase the opponent and then you have someone else that has to fight from underneath and can buy and it's like you got to have both so if you have you know a dude that can just do one but it's so much more interesting and then that makes that hot tag even more important at the end well and and julie you heard this in person one of the great things about that match so it was the acclaimed winning the aew tag team championship from swerve in our glory which is keith lee and swerve strickland and so keith lee has been playing like a sympathetic heel, which is brilliant. I mean, Keith is just so great. His facial expressions are fantastic. He told a whole story just with his sympathetic face alone heel. in that match. What's a sympathetic? Is that like Kristen Cinema? What's going on? <laughs> no, no, likable. No politics. Um, God damn it. So Kirsten Keith Cinema. Lee I'm sorry. Either is way, the guy terrible. that's Keith Lee's the guy that's impossible to hate because he's just he's a big teddy bear. Yeah, and he is a guy that doesn't wrestle a heel style, but he's in a heel tag team with Swerve. Swerve, on the other hand, has been healing it up like crazy. And did anyone the whole night, including MJF, did anyone get more heat than Swerve Strickland breaking up the scissor handshake? Oh, my God. Oh, no. When he drop kicked yeah. them trying to do the scissor handshake, the place went crazy. You don't mess with someone doing their special handshake. That's yeah. where I draw the line. You can hit me with a chair. You can, you can throw a dog at me. But if you mess up my special handshake... But there's a, in a match where there were so many great spots, that one little spot of him doing that cool crescent kick that he has on their hands as they were trying to do the scissor handshake, that got more heat than anything else. It was great. And it was, it was such a big pop at the end. I loved watching it on TV. I can't imagine how big that pop was live. Yeah, it was, that was, I think, my favorite match. Watching the Moxley-Danielson match was epic and yep. really great, and we were on the edge of our seats um, the entire time, especially in those last few moments where we're looking at the clock, we know Dynamite's going off the air soon and we have no idea who's winning this match. We're like, how is it going to be won? What is happening? MJF is watching from his private booth in Arthur Ashe Stadium. We were just like, this is this is the bear of a match. But I will say the acclaimed and and seeing them win. That was that was just a fun match. That was just fun. Also, uh, Orange Cassidy and Pac, you guys wanted to talk about. So take it away. 
So, Julie, you and I were talking about how you felt that was the best storytelling moment yes, of the night. I and did. it was. Uh, so one thing I love, obviously, you got to hear an Orange Cassidy pop live, which, again, I always love the fact that the beginning of Jane plays that those soft piano strings and you just hear everybody just get quiet. And as soon as the, the graphics hit, people go crazy. Just a quick thing when he's coming out. So there was a 13 year old kid. I was in the front row and um, there's a 13 year old kid, a row back who was cosplaying as Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy. <laughs> you was sure he was cosplaying and not just a 13 year old kid? It could it could have been yeah. just a 13 year old kid, but he me. was um, he was with his dad. Mm-hmm. They had driven two hours to oh, come wow. see the show. And uh, his dad, you know, wasn't super into it, but his kid was incredibly into it. Uh, and so I told I the that. dad when Orange Cassidy, the, the kid went to go use the restroom. And when he left, I told the dad, hey, when Orange Cassidy comes out, we're switching. And so he <gasps> can be in the front and oh, try to get so the cool. thumbs up with Orange Cassidy. And so he comes out. And uh, I'm like, we're switching. You're going out. You're going to say hi to Orange Cassie. Unfortunately, Orange did not make his way down there. He did see the kid. He did point to the kid. It was really cute. Explain, explain the match, because I want to talk about a moment at the very, very end, Tommy, that happens between the kid and. uh, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Orange Cassidy cosplay kid will come into effect later. Uh, So during Orange Cassidy, we love to talk about presentation on the show because that's important to us, how a character is presented both to the TV and the live audience. Uh, Cassidy's video entrance is basically just a whiteboard with Sharpie marker drawn uh, things. So as Cassidy comes to the ring, you see his name appear in what appears to be Sharpie marker on whiteboard. And then there are hand-drawn drawstring jeans which he wears and <laughs> aviator sunglasses which he wears a denim I love jacket that thing he does when he takes off the sunglasses or his hands kind of shake like there's power in the sunglasses oh awesome. we'll, we'll get to that the uh so there's <laughs> but there's also fun placeholder cards like uh put a cool move here written out in sharpie marker and insert picture here <laughs> and some catchphrases which with actual crossed out edits yeah it makes him stand out before he's done anything and he slowly rolls into the ring so Pac is the aew all atlantic champion it's basically a traveling champion belt he goes all over the world and defends it and Pac is a great wrestler uh seasoned uh both in, in his time in the uk and just has traveled all over the world he's teasing a heel turn he's always been kind of a tweener he's like a hard-edged uh baby face and orange starts the match now uh great job by excalibur taz and tony Schiavone the uh, commentary team putting over the history between these two guys. Cause Cassidy and Pac, they've had a feud that was instrumental in solidifying orange from being a comedy character to becoming a top guy. Um, orange Cassidy starts the match by uh, taking off said sunglasses, winding up and throwing them as hard as he could at Pac's face. <laughs> yeah. And then <laughs> It reminded me of that flip. Remember when Danny Ainge in the basketball game? Remember when he threw that ball at Mario Ellie's head? Yes. Tom, do you remember that? And then, and then when Ellie was like, like, Danny's like, I was just trying to throw a pass. I was just trying to throw a pass with one second left in the game. Come on, man. So the storytelling in this match was basically Pac is hip to the game. He understands that Cassidy is going to try to annoy him and try to psych him out with moves like that. 
but he immediately bites on that because if someone throws something at your face at full speed, you're going to get a little pissed at that. Yes. And so he charged Cassidy and Cassidy, uh, there were a series of quick pinning combinations and then he almost got an orange punch in the first minute. Uh, it was a super action-packed match. Uh, towards the end of the match, it was, it was great storytelling back and forth. And uh, I loved watching Orange DDTing Pac into the Shadow Realm for a near fall. There was just a nasty, nasty DDT where Pac bent himself in half to, to sell it. And it looked so great. Uh, and that's another thing. When you, when you have guys like that, Pac understands who Orange Cassidy is. And Pac understands having a feud with Orange Cassidy is going to immediately elevate both of them. Um, and then, so there was a near, uh, near pinfall. So Pac towards the end of the match is outside the ring. And as Cassidy approaches, Pac gets a hold of the timekeeper's hammer. And the referee has not seen this because he's hiding it behind his giant forearm. And he smashes Cassidy with the hammer and gets the pin because Cassidy's uh, unconscious. He rolls him back into the ring, his unconscious body and pins him. Mm-hmm. And there was a great moment towards the end of the match uh, after the bell rings where the ref kind of realizes what happened, but didn't see it and starts grilling Pac over it. And that was a great little detail that normally the referees won't do that. And in AEW, there's, there's been more of that lately where the referees are like, Hey, wait a minute. And you know, generally it's just matches over and the referee rolls out of the ring. Mm-hmm. But I liked that, that he actually questioned Pac as Eddie to what Kingston happened. Is a good example of that. Did you guys in rampage where the yes. uh, ref reversed the decision? That was pretty big. Yep. Pac, again, was a tweener, and Pac is respected for his work. So Pac didn't get a heel reaction, even though Cassidy is a gigantic babyface. And so how do you get heel heat? You cheat. And Pac nailing Cassidy with the hammer got tremendous nuclear heat, which was awesome. Because Pac is a guy who's hard to hate. His work is great, and it's hard to see through. And when, when that moment, you could hear the crowd immediately boo, which was awesome. So, uh, Julie, you had you watched a little interaction between got Pac a little and more the Cassidy heat. kid. Yeah, he got a little more heat from the audience. Um, Pac is holding up the championship belt. He is doing going to the post, the turnbuckles, one might call them, uh, and standing up. And, uh, you know, the 13 year old is devastated. Orange Cassidy lost. He came to see Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy doesn't look good. And he, you know, he gets out of the ring and he's holding his head. And, you know, that's it's. Yeah, it's devastating to see the guy who you love lose. Um, and he's booing. He's just booing. And Pac just stares down this 13-year-old kid dressed as Orange Cassidy in the audience. And the boos just got even louder. Yep. The audience just immediately was on this kid's side, leaning in and booing. It was, it was Pac knew how to get heat in that moment. It was really, really great. Well played. My, my wife, by the way, uh, popped into the room at the beginning of this match. And uh, her Did comment on this match, because she does not, uh, she typically will not comment over, because uh, I tend to have uh, peanut gallery comments for her when she's watching like Hallmark movies and Lifetime Christmas movies and such. <laughs> so I, I try to keep it down because I don't want to hear the same during wrestling. So she walks in at the beginning of the Orange Cassidy Pac match. And uh, I've like Lorenzo and I, my son, we have tried to explain like she initially didn't like Cassidy because she's like, he's arrogant. And we're like, no, he's just lazy. And so she kind of understood it from there. But so she took a look at the screen. She sees Cassidy and she sees Pac and she goes, Orange Cassidy has nice hair. Uh, That other guy doesn't. 
That's also <laughs> and she true. she left the room. That's true. Everybody out there, please watch that match. Uh, AEW uh, Dynamite and Rampage usually are on demand if you have a, a cable provider. And uh, but please find that match. It is fantastic, beginning to end. And if you want to watch on a weekly basis, AEW Dynamite airs Wednesday nights at 8 on TBS. AEW Rampage airs Friday nights at 10 on TNT. That's AEW and sometimes why. And now it's time for the other side. It's time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. So things got very heated on uh, Friday night. So heated. So and heated. I, I think they've calmed down a little bit, but we're in a uh, the great Bray debate. And just, I guess, I don't know. Where do we all stand? I still... Here, I, I'm still cool with it. I still kind of like it, and I'm still interested. Oh, by the way, shout out to uh, my friend Jad. He actually noticed there was a zip code, two zip codes shown in last night's. Uh, was, uh, what do they call the, the the things we're having to scan now? QR codes. So th- this is where we are, everybody. Th- this is where I should be doing quite well, and I'm not. I was, as a bagger and a cashier at a grocery store when I was 15 and 16, I should be nailing it right now, but I'm missing all these QR codes. Um, so there was a, a zip code for Corbin, Kentucky, but there was also a zip code for Wyndham, Maine. Did you catch that? I didn't. Where was that? That was somewhere else in the video, I guess. There was another huh. coordinate, I think, unless someone added something in another ripoff TikTok or something. Anyway, so so as a joke, I've been saying I really hope it's Rabbit Corbin just because, first of all, the, the world, whatever. Like, nothing surprises me at this point. I mean, Vince isn't there anyway. Do we ever think so? Whatever happens. Okay. So, but also because I, Tom, I love you, but I am, gen- there is that part of me that's genuinely... I've never seen a volcano erupt. I've never seen that happen in my life. And if Baron Corbin is behind the rabbit tees, hence Corbin, Kentucky, I mean, I'm not saying it's good, but it's sort of like, man, if it's going to be bad, let's have fun. <laughs> well, when we, when we last saw Baron Happy Corbin, he was disappearing into the limousine of one Brad, John Bradshaw we Layfield. Think, did, we see, we, did we see Layfield? Or was it? We didn't see him, but it was his limo because it had the Longhorns on the front. Okay, and it would almost be worth it just to see the limo with bunny ears (laughs) instead of the Longhorns. Uh, I would accept that. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I do. I don't (laughs) like this, guys. I don't like it. I don't like being trolled. I feel like I'm being trolled. They promised something at nine twenty-three on nine twenty-three. You like a character? Nothing happened. You like a character called the fiend who plays with puppets and pretends he's two different people, but you don't like being trolled. You want some respect. John, I'm getting old. And uh, so as this progresses, here's what I don't like. If Bray Wyatt is signed and in the fold and is masterminding all these things, how many weeks are you going to drag it up? Just put him on TV. Just put him on no. TV and make interesting no. things with him no. on TV. Because this you, isn't interesting. You do it's whatever not. it takes to get to Halloween, October 31st, so I look smart again, by chance. Or you make it cool. Or, I was talking to Julie about this, and this is what Julie really loved. This, this, this would, I'm 25%. John, you asked, because I was yeah. 50-50 when it first started. Mm. When 923 happened, 
and they okay, so essentially let's ex- recycled. Let's explain to people. I'm now 25%. Let's explain to people what happened. So what's been happening is they did a big clue for the Friday, September 23rd SmackDown that at 9.23 p.m., something big was going to happen. And at exactly 9.23 p.m., they went to commercial. And I admit, for like 10 seconds, I was like, oh, my God, I screwed up. And everyone was flipping out. And uh, then I joked that, uh, hey, Bray's back, but he's Jake from State Farm, because that was the ad that was running. But then 10 seconds later, my friend Travis, uh, Travis Tate, shout out to Travis. He was there at the show. And I messaged him and a few other people that were there. And I said, hey, wait, is there, what's going on? And they, before I could finish, they said, White Rabbit's playing right now. I said, oh. And within minutes, it was online. I said, I'm it. it's great. I love it. But you guys didn't love it. But here, here's what I'll say is that, and what I pitched to Julie last night, is that it would be so amazing if, after all this, it was Baron Corbin. It's Rabbit Corbin behind all this, and they do the thing, and oh my God, it's, it's, the, it's October or whatever, and then he comes out, and because he can kind of pull it off, he's got the Hawaiian shirt look, He's got, you know, you could do the thing. And then he comes out and he unveils himself in the ring and goes on this giant tirade. I fooled you all because, man, I don't think there'd be any greater heat in the history of WWE for real. Like even the Montreal screw job. If after all this, it's Corbin who's been trolling us with rabbits and QR codes and TikToks. They're stealing our thing. They're we're, we're the TikTok people. They're doing our thing. And it's Corbin, but then just as he's about to walk out of the ring, lights down, fiend attacks, and then that's how you go off the air. So all the time it was Corbin, but part two, the fiend's here too. Imagine, imagine the, 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 the emotional roller coaster. Tom, you wouldn't go for that? I think you grossly underestimate how much the audience doesn't give a single shit about Baron Corbin. But that's why they'd fucking go crazy. If it was after I, all this, if it was after all this buildup, it's him. They'd go, they, they, oh, they'd the, be people, mad at the company, not the wrestler. People would be leaving. They'd be walking up. And then all of a sudden the lights go down and imagine all those YouTube videos of people on their phones running back into the arena when they realize that, Oh shit, what happened? And then, and then, did I miss him? What happened? Remember that Miami Heat game where all the fans left, and then they tried to get back in. That's what it would be. Like, I, I hope, I hope there's some misdirect where someone else tries to say it's them, just to throw it. I have because I want to see you guys. I want to get your angry texts. I'm gonna screen grab them all just so I can see. Because well, Ryman keeps everything. Ryman keeps keeps receipts. Uh, someone else out there knows that that's something I've done. So well, Ryman, uh, also you like you like this build with the things happening that are not on television. And I do, I think, I Julie, I think you're ambivalent. John, I think you like it. Love I don't it. like it because essentially what is it? So they go off the air and just for the live crowd who have cell phones and can broadcast it, they play the song White Rabbit uh, and they put red lights on. And that's it. It's a song and it's red light. And I've and had problems with this weeks. build. Yeah, and I, but I've had problems with this build because it's wildly unimaginative. It is the same oh, shit over and over on. again. But that it's they, what are you gonna, I, and the videos are. The, by the way, this the the video that they put up. So you scan the QR code and it sends you to a TikTok, and the TikTok looks like a twelve year old made it. 
It was not a great TikTok. I think so. This is I'm going to. OK, I'm so gonna, we have chair uh, marks and TikTok marks out there now. We're all reviewing everything. The, but there was OK. There was a natural connection between TikTok, literally the, the, the sound of the clock, the bunny, the white rabbit and TikTok, the brand. And you could have oh, yeah. merged those two. There was just like it was huh. there. And instead, they kind of released a video that would have been really cool in 2005, you know, like, oh, cool graphics. And like, oh, the TV's moving. And like, oh, words. And, and I was like, <laughs> I love it. I if mean, next guys, week, the rabbit sings peanut butter jelly time. I just wish Vince was there for them to pitch the idea of doing something on TikTok. Just goddamn tick, TikTok. I don't need a goddamn TikTok. My breath is fucking fine. <laughs> well, goddamn John and Julie brush my teeth. You both worked there, so you yeah, understand this better. You, you both understand Julie this better there. than I. You know that WWE, what they, they don't see themselves as a wrestling company. They see themselves as an entertainment brand. Well, so when you're an entertainment brand, you're not competing with AEW. You're competing with NBC and Netflix. And <laughs> when, you think, when you think about I, a build... I, like, it's debatable with NBC, but I'll leave it at that. But they, that's, that's the shit they believe. And when you're talking about building something, look at this, the build for the last season of Stranger Things. Oh, that I was, was just going to go there. Yep. Wildly imaginative. And it, it sold a show that has already been sold to millions of people. And a bunch more people hopped on because here's this show that maybe you didn't watch the first few seasons of, but all of a sudden the teasers and the trailers are just so bonkers and wild. That's what you're competing with. So you're giving me QR codes and an old song and red lights and Netflix is putting out what they put out for the Stranger Things teasers. That's what you have to do. And it, they're not meeting that standard. It is a very, very un unimaginative build. And it suffers because Bray isn't there. And I think and, it's and when you I don't think it's necessarily unimaginative. I think if we seriously, if we went back into a time machine in 2005, it would be so this reminds me a lot of when Lost released a cool website called the Dharmana Initiative website. And you could go on and you could see these old training videos and you could get into that world. And I'm just like, you've missed, like you said, Tommy, you should be at the level of a Stranger Things promotion, not something that feels like Blair Witch Project, which I, exactly. I kind of feel like it does. I just this feels very like, uh, not, not even Cloverfield, because Cloverfield had a, a pretty imaginative build for yes. uh, just a regular old monster movie, but Blair Witch, where it's like, hey, we don't have a budget. We have this little indie film that we all filmed with cheap cameras. Uh, how do we sell it? Well, we sell it with bullshit. We build this mythos around it, and people will be so thrilled by the mythos that they have to go see this mediocre movie. And that's why the sequel didn't work because it just, it's not an idea that had legs. This idea feels very much like that. It's like when you promise something, when you are building something in an entertainment brand and you're trying to, you're trying to draw people in, the longer it goes, the more people will start to not care. And the more people will just move on Tom, to the next. What do you thing. mean nobody cares? It's been it's been number one trending. It's been like White Rabbit trends. Like, uh, uh, just think about what you're saying. A song that's running during the commercial, when it's not even on TV, is in a top three trend in the United States at this time in history in our world. What do you mean it's? I'll, 
We really, people don't care. It's a worldwide brand that has a worldwide audience. And that's why they trend all the time. But as far as like, do you think this is drawing in? Like, yes, like we're talking friend about Vince it. Russo says, did you think we're bringing in Ugh. any of the casuals with this? Absolutely not. But by the way, so Julie, just to circle back to your experience at AEW, that audience that you sat in, the energy there versus did you see the audience in Edmonton last night? It was packed and they were still as mannequins. The entire show, they were like passively watching the show, almost as if they were watching it on TV. WWE right now is just, they are just holding, they're, they're static, they're holding the pattern, they're very, very predictable Okay, have you ever, Tom, have right you ever been to Edmonton? <laughs> Okay, now here's what I'm going to say. They're not that cold yet. It's only September. I have some good friends in Edmonton. They're big wrestling fans. I know they listen every week. Uh, You can probably see it on our analytics. And I mean this with all due respect. They have a tremendous mall and a very cool radio station that knows all about bare naked ladies, and I love talking to them when I go to Edmonton. Um, That's about it. It ends there, and I think they'd say, yeah, that's fair. But I'll just say this to uh, maybe put a bow before we move on to the next thing, which I am in total agreement with everybody on at this point. Uh, I just hope that next week's QR code uh, sends us to uh, Bray's MySpace page and Triple H is in his top eight. (laughs) Anyway, um, my next question, and uh, it's a simple one, but I, I don't think there's an answer. What the hell is going on with Miz and Dexter Loomis? I am beyond. You know what? At this point, I hope it just never ends. I hope we just repeat the same story over and over again. I hope we find different ways. I hope that if they go to England, uh, Dexter Loomis is dressed up in in knight's armor. I hope if they go to Orlando, Dexter Loomis is is dressed as Goofy. Uh, I hope if they go to San Diego, he's the San Diego chicken. And it just goes on and on. They're in Philadelphia. He's the Philly fanatic. And they just keep repeating this every week. Because you know what this is? This is the wrestling version of Peter Griffin versus the giant chicken on Family Guy. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no end in sight. Except that I think that uh, Family Guy, shout out to Chris Sheridan and Chris Regan, uh, they actually did kind of have a narrative. Nicole Cabana's brother? Yeah. Who's the director? I, I a, <laughs> yes, the director. There's only one director at Family Guy. <laughs> That, that's how TV. I'm trolling Colt Cabana family now. Guy, yeah, I, Family Guy has their own Jim Burroughs, apparently. But they don't. I can tell you that. But anyway, uh, at least the Peter versus the big giant chicken sold some merch and did have a narrative and went somewhere and then went away. I don't know what the hell's going on with this Dexter Loomis thing. And I'm sorry. There's a theory out there that people keep making jokes. And we, were, we talked about this in an adult way earlier in the show. I don't know what else we're supposed to think is going on with Dexter Loomis and Miz right now. All I know is Miz gets choked out, choked out, and then Dexter Loomis uh, caresses his hair, and that's all we're given. And I'm like, what What do you want from me? Like, what, what, where are we going with this? What am I supposed to think about this at this point, other than, ugh? How would you feel about the White Rabbit if it is revealed that Loomis is Mercy the Buzzard? Does it make you like this, or... <sighs> I'm curious. Yeah, it 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 t- it fixes a lot of problems. Yeah, okay. I'll say that much. Yeah, I got to be honest. I I think. Uh, Do you so, like this? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I definitely don't. But 
there were some folks on our on our TikTok tweaking me that uh, this is a comedy angle, and uh, I disagreed. You know what? Now I'm running full circle. This is a comedy angle. I mean, I think it's a comedy the, angle. The pile of uh, so Miz had uh, his bodyguards called Miz Force, which was just a group of people in black polos. To that was there's got to be a better pun than yeah. Miz Force, right? Mm. Like the Mizzletary or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, there's got to be a better pun. So not, you nailed it on the first try. Um, the, pa- the Patriot, so, the Scud Mizzles, the Patriot the, Mizzles. There you go. At the, the begi- Patriot at the Mizzles. Be- Yes. At the beginning of the again, night, uh, again, Ms. Force not technically was really wanting to go back there to work, but I wouldn't say no. Yeah. If, if you, if I could do it secretly and oh, if my you could couch. do Ms. Bodyguard puns all day, why you not? And Vince Russo. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. But so, so yeah, at the beginning of the night, Ms. Yeah. addresses the Ms. Force and tells them to protect him. And then throughout Ms. the night, Force. anytime Jesus the, Christ. uh, anytime there's a backstage segment and people are just walking through a scene, Come on, they're walking Ms. past Force. They're walking past That's dead a missed opportunity. Ms. Yeah. Right well, there. they're they're walking past dead Ms. Force people left and right. They're they're walking past deceased bodyguards. Yeah, weren't they like and, weren't there like people who are just like, oh, what happened here? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah like during other backstages, right? <laughs> there's there's been a massacre and no one notices. You know, and then of course Ms. finds the rest about- of them in a pile at the end. Like a like a pile of leaves raked up at the end of the fall. I will say it was kind. Of, it was a fun reveal. The 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 thing was a reveal, but we are getting into our truth territory where it's just like, oh, what mascot, what costume, what statue is he going to be this time? And then the this same, is, and then it repeats. We come back the next week, and it's like it never happened. <laughs> and don't reinvent uh, the comedy wheel. You have our truth. Just have him do the segment. Just let him do run the comedy for the show. Because I haven't seen our truth. Like, I haven't seen our truth since well the beginning of the summer. So do they still have our truth? He was on main event I, though, right? I've seen him backstage, or at least he's posting on TikTok that he's backstage. What if know. what if he's a rabbit? I I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely. If it gets him on TV again, hey, I'm, that, I'm, I'm, that, Tom, I think would you be I okay think our with truth that? is an immortal. What our if, truth is an immortal. Someone posted a, uh, a side-by-side picture of him when he joined WWE as K quick. And then now, and it's the same picture. He's just got a little longer hair and a tattoo that he didn't have before. So I think what you're saying, Tom, is that Ron killings is actually Ron livings. If you want to watch Monday night, Raw, guess what? It's on Mondays at night, WWE Monday night, Raw at eight on USA. And then you got Friday at SmackDown Fridays at Fox, uh, at eight o'clock. And this has been the raw recap. And now we are on to something that uh, another request, and I can't believe I'm introducing this, is John Vince Russo. I mean, it's it's a question that you posed to me, and I, I really didn't know how to answer it. But it. you've brought forth to me today in the way people try to snoop out uh, DB Cooper. How's that for a reference? Uh, that I am secretly, I Vince Russo and I le- legit are maybe one and the same yeah. person. The the Elias Ezekiel storyline, oh, I gosh, think, is based that's on. Right. Yeah, John and not saying it was a good storyline. Well, I will <laughs> say that like I found myself, I don't agree with a lot of Vince Russo. Here's what the thing: I don't agree with a lot of his wrestling quote takes. However, what's Vince Russo famous for? Working people. So I see a lot of his stuff on Twitter. And a lot of times I'm like, oh, there's Stretch Armstrong over there. Because, I mean, that is took a lot of gymnastics to get to that opinion. So I'm like, I think he's working the fans. But 
Then when I see what he tweets about life, like he had this tweet about how when you're buttering bread, but then the butter's too hard and it cuts through the bread and it ruins your sandwich. And I'd like that. Sh- I would have liked that sh- tweet 20 times if I could. I would create burner accounts to like that tweet because I was like, fuck, yeah, that does suck. And then I saw he was a, he's a fan of The Shining. And I was like, oh, that's pretty great. And then I started to think that, like, hmm. And we've you, you, joked. I have admitted I'm in many ways, I guess, the Vince Russo of late night comedy. Uh, and maybe, you know, there's something to it. Except I say I dude. I say dude. And I say man. You do. He says bro. He's bro, He's right? bro. bro. Yeah. yeah. So, well, he's from New York and you're from... But it's it, yeah, it's or weird. Boston? Wait, yeah. you're not from Boston. You're from New Hampshire. Yeah, well, no, originally from Boston, then moved to New Hampshire. Oh, you are. Yeah, okay. and then so like uh, Bruce used to say that Paul Heyman was East Coast Cornette, and that Jim Cornette was what Tom Southern Heyman was that his remark for him, like Heyman of the South or something like that. I think so, but we the the big glaring thing here is that so if you're talking about Cornette. And you're talking about Vince Russo. They have a restraining order uh, against each other <laughs> yes, for they various do. Uh, wars yeah. uh, Wait, over, over the really? phone line. Oh, yeah. They have a legit restraining oh, shit. order. Julie's um, going to catch on to this because Julie no. and I have talked before about who would be. We went through our we both worked at The Tonight Show. We both worked at WWE. And we've made up our who is who, like kind of like the British and American office, like who would be what character. And I'll just say that. If I'm Russo and the person we decided would be Cornette, yeah, that tracks. And Tom probably knows who I'm talking about. So, yeah, that is. Wait, a they, is it real life? Is it real life restraining orders or is it kayfabe used for an no, angle? Real. That shit's so real was, life. It was me based and, on me, a me and my Jim Cornette, we've made up. We're fine. But it was like for a while, <laughs> for a while yep. there. Yeah, it was like different floors. Don't go near each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Me and, well, me and my Cornette. While they were as, working at WWE together? No, this was... They, uh, oh. When was it, actually? Was it when Jim left? Or when it was, so, like, early 2000s? It, they apparently had a very, very rocky relationship in the office That when they were both writing for WWE in the late 1990s. Uh, Russo's star... Now, Vince was a guy who was writing for WWF magazine and then Bro. built a career... From that, he, I mean, you talk about Julia's uh, buckled uh, over laughing right now. I just want to call that out. I'm not. I love WWF magazine. Shout out to Linda McMahon. The only shout out she'll get from me, but whatever. (laughs) But so Vince was a writer for WWF magazine and then parlayed that into a writing gig on the show. And then uh, he had an on camera role as a host of one of their. So, but it wasn't as Vince Russo. Vince appeared as himself Livewire, on right? WCW programming, but he was, quote, Vic Venom. I remember Vic Venom on this from the show. magazine. I'm thinking, it, wow. Was it on Livewire? It I was remember on my their- dad saying, Who, who's wrote that article? One time I said Vic Venom, and my dad just went, you mean to, uh, he just walked out of the room. Like, he just was <laughs> like, I can't, and just went and gave more money to my sister's college fund. But they had a very ugly relationship because my theory <laughs> is that it's the only wire. thing separating them is geography, because really, when it comes down to brass tacks, they are such similar. People. Corny and Cornette, Russo. Oh yeah. Wait. The, do you think they're? I'm gonna. This is the craziest one. Do you think they're working us? The biggest no. work of all time. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> if anyone would do it. I mean, I maybe I, I think there's some legit heat there, but there was a series of they're in a competition both out of over who dies first so they can piss on the other one's grave. That is a legit uh, I think that's on Jim's end, not on Vince's. I mean, oh, Vince, Vince is really trying to play Switzerland like he doesn't care anymore. And Bro, but, um, I'm not going to go out someone's grave. Bro, with the way you got the animals and the squirrels and what. I'm not going out there in nature. I'm a, no, I'm a New Yorker. I, I mean, I shouldn't, but I oddly like Vince Russo. I think he was definitely instrumental yes. in the Attitude Era. I, I think he doesn't get nearly enough credit for the stuff. Because I agree. He, I mean, honestly, the performers have to go out and do it, but he brought a different style to the program, and, and yep. some of it doesn't age well, but I think that he was revolutionary in defeating WCW and then legit uh, instrumental in killing WCW when he went over there. Uh, questions as to whether he went over there to kill the company or to work there. I don't believe but, uh, that. I think no, he no, went I think, there to I work think, there. I think he went there. Well, he shouldn't have booked himself as champion, but that's neither here nor there. But after He's both no of David them Arquette. Were, no. After they bo- but he did book him as champion. That's true. Um, after both Cornette and Vince Russo were no longer at any major wrestling promotion and they were giving shoot interviews, it came, became very clear that there was some hatred between them and as the shoot interviews got more and more heated, eventually Cornette started calling Russo and leaving threats on his voice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Vince Russo's a married guy, has children. And it's when, when you're getting like, it's one thing to get death threats over the internet. That's bad enough. But when people are calling your landline and leaving actual death threats at people who know where you live. Yeah. I can understand the restraining order. I will uh, just say but, that the scenes from Dark Side of the Ring, which got to be a little dark at some point where, you know, it's like, okay, but, and Tom, you know this about me. There's two things that crack me up from the wrestling world that I will just laugh till I cry. One is Bruce's, you smeared shit all over the business story about Goldberg. So anyone that wants to go find that, just it, whenever I'm having a tough day, that because it's like, oh, I've lived that somewhere else i've i've been the guy that smeared shit all over the business we all have and it's just that thing go look that up but also the dark side of the ring clip where they just cut back and forth between vince russo and jim Cornette, and and Ru- <laughs> jim is so serious he's but yeah tom's doing it right he's making the choking thing like i want to choke you and vince just keeps vince russo keeps just going bro it's just wrestling bro i'm like it's just wrestling it is they edited it I know it was meant to be serious. It is the funniest fucking thing. It make it's just a, exactly a minute, and it, it makes me laugh to no end. And I would just, I just want a show about those two guys. I just, want, <laughs> I would just love that's that's your YouTube. That's like your TikTok show. That's your YouTube show. If you're trying, if anyone out there, just give me ten five minutes a day. Just five minutes a day. Of he said that, you know, he said, he said, where they just go back and forth through the interviewer, have one guy have, yeah, have a camera set up at Russo's, have a camera set up at Cornette's, and you just have, I'll host it. I'll do it. I'll be the moderator. And I'll just say, hey, Jim, Vince just, uh, Vince Russo said this about you. And then I go back to Vince. Hey, hey, Russo, Cornette says he's going to kill you like this. And you would just have a, a, a daily show of them insulting each other through me. And that that would be it. I'd be like the the reverse uh, Oprah. I would bring I, instead of bringing people the to instead Oprah. of bringing them what together. What a great finish of, remove. Instead of bringing. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, 
Ryman's patented move, the reverse Oprah. I, I drive people apart. But anyway, um, I genuinely <laughs> well, and, would. And I will say this, too, about uh, Cornette and Russo. Russo, in his defense, really doesn't talk about Jim. Uh, he's kind of past it. Like when, when, when Jim pops up with a story about Russo in the media, he'll, Russo will sometimes comment on it, but he's really leaving it alone. But Cornette yeah, will still talk about Russo. And the thing is, is he cannot talk about Russo. He's talking about using the name because of the restraining order. So he has a code name for Vince Russo, which, which is, is Shitstain. Oh, no. And he says Shitstain about a thousand times per episode because the episodes are three oh, hours long. Shitstain over he there. He needs to get he needs to get Jim Cornette and Brian last. Sadie needs to that name is, uh, him Cornette. for Jim great Cornette. Pod, great podcast. And the illustrations are even funnier. So got to give them credit. Hey, yes. You know what? I would just like to put this out there. I've said this before. You know, Jim Cornette always shits on the quote, the, the comedy, right? The Hollywood comedy writers. Jim, I've never lived in fucking. You think I lived in Hollywood? Uh, the, the Hollywood comedy writers. Jim Cornette always rags all over him. I don't know what they're thinking. Well, we're right here. We'd love to talk to you. And we talked about this before. Vince Russo, holy shit, we'd love to talk to him. Both of those guys. So, like, I'd love to well, talk John, to him Well, John, you already get along with Mr. Russo because you've had several exchanges I, with him on yes, Twitter that you, are always pleasant. They're always pleasant, but you know what? I'll tell you something else. Both, I think I genuinely, and Julie, we felt, talked about this. I don't know that they're, especially, like, I know I'd get along with Russo, but in terms of just caring about something, like, Jim Cornette fucking cares about wrestling. He cares about it. And just like I care about late night TV, and I really think that if just once a week Jim Cornette and I could just get together and have lunch and uh, not hard rolls, right? You want to get your soft rolls with Jim Cornette. I, I think we, I think that we wouldn't need therapy. I think it could be we would just get together and just go back and forth and just complain about everything. I think we'd get along famously, and I think it would be great. I think we we, we need. I don't respect Jim's comedy at all. He doesn't respect my wrestling knowledge at all. But I respect that he cares so much about what he cares about. And I think maybe he'd reciprocate that respect. I think we'd have a great time. And I think it would be fun talking to Russo because, yeah, I agree. I'm like, you got to everyone makes fun of him. You got to get the casuals. You fucking do. You're a TV show. You're a TV show. Guess what? The NBA is a TV show. Guess what? Football's a TV show. Guess what? Serena Williams. Yeah, so it's a TV show. You're on TV. So you do need the casuals. So anyway, we are out of time. And uh, yeah, I will leave it there. So Julie, what do you have to say to everybody? Uh, John is Vince Russo. What? Um, no. Thank you, everyone, <laughs> for listening. That was no, uh, not bro, by the way. Bro. That was no, not bro. Exactly. No, not uh, bro. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, review, and give us a nice five-star rating. Hey, let the writers dress like writers. I saw them wearing sneakers a couple weeks ago, and I got my hopes up. Now I see them wearing loafers. Not cool. But to everyone else there, make sure you follow us on TikTok. Make sure you tick our talk. We're at Turnbuckles Pod, just like we are on Instagram. Thank you so much for watching us. You make my day every day. And hey, check out our YouTube. We upload the full episodes on uh, on YouTube, and uh, we get in the comments sometimes. So feel free to throw us some comments there. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, see ya, buckleheads. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.